him as he comes and brings a strong word. Pastor Benny, love you. It's always a joy to share the word of God and uh, thank God that there is something <clears throat> that remains the same, amen, and that is the word of the living God. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a story that I've told before, um, a lot of you maybe never have heard it, and older people, if they heard it, they didn't remember it anyway, so. <laughs> this guy named George, and he was about, oh, he was about 75, 80, and he retired, been retired about 12 years, played golf every day. And one day he came home and threw his clubs down and said, I'm done, to his wife. His wife said, well, honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, I hit the ball, but I cannot see where it goes. And so she thought for a minute, and then she um, gave, gave a little solution. Why don't you take my brother with you? And George says, your brother, he's 90 years old. But his wife said, yeah, but he, he's got 20-20 vision. You hit, he watches. <clears throat> so, okay, he next day grabs 90-year-old John, sets him in the cart, drives up to the first tee, sets up his ball, gets his one mood out, and turns to his brother-in-law, and he says, now watch where the ball goes. Don't worry, he said, I got 20-20 vision. I see it, clear, no problem. <clears throat> so George gets up, boom, he bangs that thing out, goes out there about 250 yards, and he turns to his brother-in-law, John. He said, did you see where it went? He said, of course I saw where it went. I got 20-20 vision. And he said, where'd it go? He paused for a minute. And he said, hmm, can't remember. <laughs> well, there's a little reason why I shared that, not just for something funny, but I love it. But look, you know, if I were to call you tomorrow morning and ask you what I spoke on today, probably you may, uh, you know, uh, may not remember. Let me encourage you to take notes. If you've got a cell phone, you can take notes. This is what I do every Sunday. Pastor Benny preaches or somebody else. I pull up my email. I get ready to send an email to myself. And then I take my notes on my email. Then I send the email, and it's right there. And I can review it, and I can print it off, uh, which I do a lot of times. So let me encourage you, take some notes. <clears throat> Uh, when I was growing up, I was a teenager in the 1960s, and my dad was a World War II vet, served in the Pacific with the Navy, saw some horrendous things over there that he never really talked about. We came back, eventually became a custodian, a janitor at the high school, and where my brother and I attended. And of course, that meant we had to toe the line because my dad was all over the building, you know. And toe the line meant if you're going to go in and smoke in the boys' room, make sure you have a guard at the door <laughs> so you don't see Mr. Newell coming along. You know what I mean? Uh, if he would have caught me, I probably wouldn't be here today, if you know what I mean. Uh, but when I was a kid, my dad, my dad used to bake bread every Saturday morning, just about every Saturday morning. Uh, and he would take maybe six or seven loaves and he would take them to shut-ins or friends or things like that. And of course, we'd always have one or two left. And so my brother and I, Charlie, we couldn't wait until it came out, took it out, put it on the counter, got a serrated knife, you know, 
and cut that down. It was just tender, you know. And then you take a little bit of uh, real butter and you kind of slather that real butter on. It kind of melts in there, right? Then you put a little peanut butter on top of that. And then you put some honey on that, you know. And you get the picture, right? I hope you had your breakfast, you know. Uh, and we would bite into it. And it was like, oh, man, it was like a little taste of heaven, you know. And, uh, and so uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, say he's the prince of preachers, he preached in the eight, uh, 1800s, and he had a mega church of about 5,000. This is before mega churches were ever even known, but he was a powerful preacher, and he had a, a school to prepare ministers for preaching. And so he would tell his ministerial students, he'd say, the word of God is like bread. Make sure when you preach, you serve it up hot and fresh and put a little honey on it to make it not only meaningful, but to make it enjoyable. And so my prayer today is this message will be hot. It'll have some freshness about it. And maybe there'll be a little bit of honey on it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for that. Holy Spirit, I pray May this message from your word be hot. May it be fresh from heaven. And may there be some honey on it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, This past Wednesday, before I kind of even knew I was going to be speaking, I woke up and I had in my mind, I believe the Holy Spirit put it there, four stories, events that took place in the gospel of Mark, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Now, Mark is the shortest gospel. It's the compact gospel. And Mark creates, Mark presents Jesus as a man on the move, action. Because the word immediately or straightway is found 42 times. So Jesus was moving. And uh, it reveals who Jesus was. So today we're going to look at Mark 4 and 5. If you have your Bibles, we don't have any slides today. I I said to somebody, we're going old school today, right? And uh, just from the Word. So if you have your Bible, if you don't have it, no problem. I'll be reading the Scriptures for us. And there's four stories here. We're only going to look at one, but I want to mention all four on purpose. In chapter 4... The ending of chapter 4 is the story about the boys, Jesus and his men, crossing the, Galilee, the, the Sea of Galilee, and a storm, a violent storm comes up, and the ship begins to be filled, and they're going almost like ready, they're ready to sink, you know, and they wake up Jesus, and, and Jesus gets up, and he speaks to the wind, and he speaks to the waves, and he says, be still, and everything got quiet. Just like that. It shows to us that Jesus has power and authority over storms. Secondly, it's a story in Mark 1, verses 1 to 20. Sad story. This is about the demoniac that was filled with demons in the Gadarenes. And Jesus goes over there and the guy comes to him. And here's here's kind of a description of what this guy was like. If you think of worse case scenario. This guy was the worst case scenario. He would have been the worst person that you would have ever met. He would have scared the daylights out of you, okay? It says this, just as Jesus was getting out of the boat, a man, this would be this man, with an unclean spirit, came from the tombs, 
Get this. He lived among the tombs, graveyard, and met him. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, nor even with a chain. For his hands and feet were often bound with chains and shackles because he was violent. But he had torn the chains apart and broken the shackles in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Every night and day, get this, among the tombs and in the mountains, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Hmm. Jesus comes and rebukes the demons, commands them to leave, and here's the result in that man's life. This man, it says in Mark, was sitting and in his right mind. This guy was the worst case scenario in many ways, spiritually and mentally, Jesus spoke to him and commanded the demons to go, and he was a whole new person. Praise the Lord. So he has authority not, over, not only over a storm, but he has authority over Satan. And I want to tell you what, he still has authority. Amen. I like what 1 John 4, 4 says, greater, is John writing to the believers back then, but it's for us today, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Jesus that's in you is greater than the enemy that's in the world. All right, then we come to another story. I love this one, and this is the one that we're going to take a little bit more time on. Uh, Mark 5, 24 to 34. This is the woman that had the issue of blood. She had an um, internal hemorrhaging, okay? And she had it for 12 years. She comes behind Jesus in a crowd. We'll get to it a little bit later. She touches his hem, hem, and she feels the power of God come into her life, and she's healed just like that. Boom. Immediately. Immediately. So this story shows us that Jesus has authority over sickness. And I believe he wants his people to be well. Jesus came not only to deal with our sins, yes, he did, but he also came to deal with our sicknesses. And I believe that he is still healing. And I believe this, we're going to see more. Yes, amen. amen. We're going to see more. If there's not more, I want to go to heaven today. But there is more coming, friends. Let me tell you, there's a wave that's coming. I'll tell you one reason that I know this because you look around their church and you see young people on fire for God. When you see young people on fire for God, you know God is going to do something on the earth. And for me, young is anything 40 and under, okay? <laughs> or thereabouts. I was saved during the Jesus movement back in the 60s, and it was a movement among college and uh, students and young people. I was in the service. People back then, I'll tell you what, you would just, you would just drop a hammer and somebody gets saved. It's just like that. People are going to be saved. Miracles are going to happen. Jesus is going to be honored, and the kingdom of God is going to come. Amen? There's more, friends. Don't stop now. Don't believe. Keep going. Finally, Jesus has not only authority and power over storms, over Satan, and over sickness, but he also has power over death. And that's the final story. Mark 
chapter 5, 22, 24, this young 12-year-old girl had died. Jesus comes, speaks life into her, and here's the result of her life. Verse 42, the girl got up at once and began to walk around. She was completely raised to life and healed. Amen. Four short stories that show us the authority of Jesus. But here's the point I want to make before we go on. What Jesus did, and because of his resurrection, and because of the coming of the Holy Spirit and power, Jesus said, we can do the same thing. He has, in his name, given his church the authority to do what Jesus did. Mark 16, 17 to 18. It says, these signs will follow those who believe. Let me see the hands here of everyone that believes. You believe in Jesus? right? These signs, these signs will follow those not just who are missionaries, not just who are preachers, not just who are teachers, but if you believe, you have the potential in Jesus to see miracles happen. You may not see them every day, but you're going to see them happen. It's not because of you. It's because of who lives in you and the power of the Spirit. John 14, 12, I love this. Here it is. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And also greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And the reason he went to the Father is so he could send the Spirit. And so here it is. Out of the, out of the mouth of Jesus himself, he said, the works that I do you are going to do. And more is coming. <laughs> more is coming. All right, we want to look at the woman who was healed of this issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. Let me read it for you. If you have your scriptures, you can turn there. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered Many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, there's that word again, the fountain of her blood, that internal hemorrhaging that she felt was dried up. It stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging and you say, who touched me? See, they thought it was a natural touch. Jesus knew it was a supernatural touch. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing because she wasn't supposed to be there. And trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Be healed of this affliction. We want to look at the story just briefly in three points, three areas. Her condition was impossible. 
And you might feel your condition today. If you're watching online, you might be listening to this and say, that's me. My condition is impossible. Secondly, her confession, so important, we're going to get into it. Her confession was continual, what she was saying. And finally, her cure was that Jesus revealed was effectual, that it worked. All right, let's look at her condition first. 25 and 26, she was almost, we would say, a worst case scenario also. Because of her condition, her physical condition, she suffered in five ways. She suffered socially because under Jewish law, she couldn't be around people. She would be considered as unclean. She had to quarantine, we would say today, not just for 12 days or 12 weeks, but for 12 years, she was isolated. Spiritually, she was suffering because she couldn't go to church. Emotionally, can you imagine 12 years and not being any better, but rather she grew worse? Could you imagine how depressed she must have been? How distraught? I mean, if I got a headache for two days, I'm like depressed, you know? 12 years. She was anemic. She was tired all the time. She could hardly get around. You could, ima you could imagine. Financially, she drained her bank account on the doctors that didn't help her. Isn't that awful? You pay money and you don't get what you paid your money for. Imagine taking it in your car to get it fixed, and when it comes out, it's worse, right? You'd be discouraged. This was her body. Physically, of course, the flow of blood, the internal hemorrhaging, and she suffered. It's interesting that Mark says she suffered at the hands of the doctors. I looked up some of the cures that they came up with back then. They, doctors back then are not like doctors are today. Uh, how many know what a quack is? They were quacks. That's what they were. They were quacks, and they charged for their quackness. <laughs> Here's one of the cures. Set her in a place where two ways meet. Intersection. Let her hold a cup of wine in her hand, and let somebody come behind her and yell real loud and scare her. Yeah, that really, really helped. Here's one. How would you like this? Your doctor prescribes this to you. Carry barley corn, which had been found, this is real, that had been found in the dung of a white female donkey, and you will be healed. Now, if you don't know what dung is, you can Google it. <laughs> but you can imagine. These are the prescriptions that this poor lady had. No wonder she was worse because it didn't solve her problem. But she found one who would and did. Amen. Amen. Secondly, we want to look at her confession was continual. Verse 27, notice what it says. When she heard about Jesus, something went off inside of her. Her hope meter maybe just bounced up just a little bit. And I was wondering, what did she hear about Jesus? I was thinking, well, maybe she heard about the paralytic in Mark chapter 2. 
that was carried by four of his friends, remember that, let down through the, through the roof. And, and, and the only thing Jesus said to him, he said, your sins are forgiven. But then he also said, get up, take your mat and go home. And the guy got up, he was completely healed. And everybody was in amaze. Oh, maybe she heard about the, the man who had the crippled hand in the synagogue. And all Jesus said was stretch it out. And it became completely healed. Or maybe it was, she heard about Peter's mother-in-law who had a high fever and Jesus simply walked into the room and touched her and rebuked the fever and it left her just like that and she got up and served them. I don't know. But she heard about Jesus. Verse 27, notice it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28, here's her confession. What we say about our condition and where we're going with it is so important. 28, she said, <clears throat> now in the English language, you don't get the tense of the Greek. It's in present tense and Greek scholar Kenneth Weiss says this. This is how it should be read. She kept saying over and over. She kept saying. She kept saying. What did she say? She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Her confession was, I shall be made well. You know, what we say out of our mouth, what we say to ourselves, what we say out loud has an impact upon our life. It's either going to destroy your faith or it's going to build your faith. It's going to destroy fear or it's going to build fear. What we say. What you confess is what you're going to possess. What you confess eventually you're going to possess because whatever you sow, you what? You reap. That's right. Proverbs says, uh, why Solomon said death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that we speak to ourselves and others are either going to be words that carry life on them or they're going to be words that kill, that kill and bring death on them. You can kill yourself emotionally by telling yourself what you shouldn't be telling yourself. I'll never make it. We'll never get through. You know, all the negative stuff, all the negative stuff. You need to stay away from the negative things like the plague and speak what's positive. And what is positive? What is more positive than the Word of God? All right, what does the Word of God say about this? That's what you need to find out. If you're sick, by his stripes, I am healed. Amen? If I'm worried, if I'm worried, Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Cast all your care on him. Hmm. How many know what worry is about? Anybody ever worried? Anybody ever lied? <laughs> I'm sure we've all worried, right? In our time. <laughs> Jesus says, 
the truth. Verse 29, let's go on. Immediately, there's that word again, the, listen, she touched just the hem of his garment. But it was a touch of something other than a touch. It was a touch of faith. Immediately, the fountain of her blood, that's how it's expressed, was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She felt it. I believe here, some people at the end, as we pray for you, you're going to feel something. I had a couple of people share afterwards that they felt something that they were dealing with physically. They were touched. Yeah, she, she felt it. And then verse 30, Jesus, using Mark's word again, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Luke 8, 46 says, Jesus said, somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. L listen, <clears throat> I perceive power going out from me. Just a side note. What do people get from you that goes out from you? When they get near you, what do they sense? When they see your face and your attitude, what are they getting? Because what's in you is going to come out of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. But also out of the abundance of the heart, the, the face looks. You know, your face is connected to your heart. Yeah, so, so just ask yourself, what are, what are people getting from me? What's coming out of me? It says, uh, no wonder the disciple says, who touched you? People were thronging. It, may, it means they were pressing in tightly. If you've ever been in a subway in New York City at a very busy time, when people get on, you're like packed in like sardines. That's what it was like. So her condition was impossible. Jesus changed that. Her confession, so important for us to learn also, was continual. She said over and over. Finally, the cure. Let's get to that. It was effectual because it worked. Verse 32, he looked around to see who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. The reason was she wasn't supposed to be there. She was breaking the law the Jewish religious law, because she was unclean. But sometimes desperate times require desperate moves. Verse 32. <clears throat> the 33. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down and told him the whole truth. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus put his finger on what was driving her. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Oh, what a word, huh? What a word. He hit it. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. In peace. Notice that <clears throat> how he addressed her. 
This is the, this, listen, this is the only woman that Jesus ever called daughter because she needed that restoration. Because people back then, unfortunately, they had a theology that if you're sick, God has put it on you. Let me tell you, God takes sickness off of you. He doesn't put it on you. So if you're sick, look for him to remove it. But back then, you were under God's curse if you were sick. So what does Jesus, the son of God, say to her? When he says this word, I can almost feel the emotional restoration that she'd been carrying around for 12 years. God doesn't love me. I must be under his curse. Nobody's helping me. Da, da. You know, and he calls her what? He calls her daughter. She's restored. And I can almost feel that in her. You know, I don't know if she began to weep, but I bet she did. You know, I'm a daughter. <sighs> I'm a daughter. <clears throat> and you know what? No matter how old you are, and I see some people out there that got some gray hair and no hair, but you know what? You're still a child of your father. If you haven't heard that recently, you're a child, you're a son, you're a daughter who is loved by a father who will love you forever. Praise the Lord. Yeah. First John 3 and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we would be called the children of God. Now, <clears throat> along a couple more points we're going to finish. Never give up believing for your healing, even if you don't see it. Or, if you're believing for healing and the person isn't healed, never give up believing for healing. Right. I've seen many people I prayed for, fasted for, and believed they were going to be healing, and they weren't. And you say, I don't know why. I don't know why. If God wants to show me why, okay. If I don't, here's what I'm going to do. The next person I pray for, I'm going to believe with all my heart they're going to be healed. I'm not going to let what hasn't happened affect me for what will happen. So it, we all deal with that. We all deal with that. I would love to see very noticeable. We do see some. We saw some in the early service. A couple of healings took place. And, and I, let me say this too. I, I, I share this with one, one brother. <clears throat> if you get a partial healing, it's a healing. If your headache's a little bit better, you're healed. Go for the rest. So don't, don't let the devil whisper to you, oh, it's, it's, all, it's not all gone. No, you tell the devil it's coming. Keep believing and keep speaking like this woman did. You're believing God for a promise. You're believing God for something in your life, healing or not. Just keep believing. Keep looking ahead, not backwards. Keep looking up. <clears throat> One verse I want to share, and then we're going to close. Hebrews 13, 8. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for the woman then, his presence can do now. He's the same. He has not changed. His theology has not changed. His word has not changed. Let me just share four little takeaways. Hopefully you'll, you'll kind of take them, take them and maybe meditate. Number one, if you need a touch, you need a breakthrough emotionally, spiritually, mentally, notice the woman. She said she heard about Jesus. Well, Jesus is nowhere we can find today. We can't go to Jerusalem and look up Jesus, right? But you can read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Saturate yourself with what Jesus did in the Gospels. And notice what he did. Notice the miracles taking place. Secondly, like the woman, listen to this, somebody needs to hear this, press through until you get through. Yesterday, the Lord gave me a picture in my mind. Sometimes God speaks to me that way. And it was of a football player and he was on the 10-yard line. He was 10 yards away from victory, breakdown, break, breakthrough, and the touchdown. But he sat down. He said, I can't go on anymore. He was only 10 yards away. What the Lord is saying, you're closer to your breakthrough than you realize. Don't let the devil talk you out of what God is going to give you. Just press through till you get through if you don't feel like doing it. Third, watch out what you're saying about your situation about your future, about your physical need, whatever. Watch out what you're saying. This woman kept saying, if I only touch, I'm going to be well. If I only touch, I'm going to be well. But you're saying it on the basis of God's word, not just to say it, because his word says it. Just say what his word says. Say what his word says. Uh, Psalm 105 says he sent his word and healed them. I believe this, the more we have of his word, the better healing will take place in our life. Finally, you've been, some people have been just waiting for this finally, right? Jesus now works through his body to heal. He said to his disciples, you go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, we can't see Jesus. He's here, he's invisible, but I'll tell you what, he's manifested through his people body of Christ. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to close with this. In 2003, um, I was up in Pennsylvania with my wife, and I was going to do a a wedding for a boy that had grown up in our church. And I was out early in the morning getting, of all things, some coffee. And uh, I came to this intersection, and this uh, woman uh, T-boned me. Uh, and hit me, it, it totaled the car, it hit right on the side where the door was where I was sitting, broke three of my ribs, and the EMTs come, and, and the car was like steaming, and it was, it was just total. And they said, you want to go to the hospital? I said, no, I don't want to go. And um, so they made me sign a waiver. Maybe at another time I might have, but I said, my wife said, why didn't you go to the hospital? She was in the motel room. 
she heard the siren. She was wondering if something was happening. And it was me. Uh, and I said, well, I got to do that wedding. I'm going to get there one way or another. And uh, so she got some, some of these bandages from CVS. Somebody went out and got it, you know, and, and bandaged me up a little tighter. And so kind of in a little bit of pain, uh, I got through the wedding. And on the way home, somebody had to take us home, went into the hospital and wanted to have x-rays. And there were three broken ribs. And the, the nurse wanted me to lay down on, on the cot or whatever it was. I said, I can't, I'm not gonna lay down. I refuse to lay down because I just started to lay down. <laughs> If you've ever had broken ribs, you know exactly what I mean. So I went home that night, couldn't sleep in the bed. I was in so much pain, sat up. And a couple days later, I still had that severe, I mean, pain. If, if I were to get up out of a chair, I'm sitting in a chair, I get, oh, felt like a knife going in there. Every time I got, I hated to get up because of pain. A couple of the elders came over and anointed me with oil and prayed the prayer of faith. Just two. Jesus said, if two or three agree together as touching anything, it shall be done. I'm telling you, when they left, they left. I was sitting there. I got up. No sharp pain. The sharp pain was gone. Now, I still had a little pain, but I'm telling you, I had like 10% where before it was 100%. I got a partial healing and the full healing came, but I'm telling you, I attribute it to those guys who were a part of the body of Christ, anointing me with oil, believing James 5, when you're anointed with oil, pray the prayer of faith, God is going to heal you. And it took place. Can I say everybody I've anointed with oil has been instantly healed? No, wish I could. But the next person I'm going to anoint with oil, I'm going to believe they're going to be healed. Right. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, and we're going to close. I'd like for the prayer team, all of the prayer team, maybe some of the pastors that are here, to come up and line up like you usually do, facing outward. Come on up. If you're a part of the prayer team, whether you're scheduled this week or not, come on up and grab a bottle of oil. There should be some behind you. Um, listen, <clears throat> if you're here this morning, you may not be physically ill, but you may be depressed. You may be upset. You may be hopeless. And you need a touch from God. I'm going to encourage you we're going to sing a chorus in just a bit. I want to encourage you to come up. Listen, don't leave if you have a need because Jesus is here. And you might say, well, my need isn't that big. If it's there and you're bothered, God can take care of it. Amen. So listen, right now, I want to encourage you just to come forward. Then we're going to pray. We're going to believe God for you. And we're going to believe that touch on your life. Amen. So we're going to sing a chorus. As we do, just feel free to come forward right now. Don't hesitate. Don't walk out. 
if you have a need, but feel free to come right now as we sing this song. Just worship Him. He's working. Amen. He's working. You just come right up right now.